Well, hello and welcome to another episode of A View from the Top. I'm Adrian Crockley. A View from the Top is a regular podcast from the Centre for Strategic Communication Excellence, where I interview some of the world's leading communication professionals as we explore their career journey. And today, I am really thrilled to be talking with Jim Schaefer, who is an IABC fellow in the USA. And he really is truly a global expert in leadership communication, certainly in my books. And I'm not sure there are many of us who have not been inspired by by either one of his books or articles on the value communication professionals should be demonstrating in their organizations. And I'm going to underline that word, should there. He founded the Jim Schaefer Group after 20 years with Towers of Perrin, where he was the principal, vice president, and global leader for the firm's center of excellence, and also an architect and leading practitioner of the change management consulting practice. Um, So now it's 18 years plus, I think, within your business. Jim, welcome to the call today. It's great to have you. Thank you, Adrian. I, I feel honored to have, have this opportunity to um, be with you and to uh, all your friends and colleagues out there. Well, it, it's great to be able to connect and have a, have a chat about your career. And I was trying very hard not to date you too much with how many years in practice and business. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you back because I, I, I believe we all stay very young at heart when we're working in this wonderful field of communication. To start with a quote, and then I'm going to come back to this a little bit later on. And one of the things that I picked up off your, uh, your, your profile was really that that your company now helps businesses make money or save money, and I'm going to going to put that in the in the minds of everybody that's listening today because we're going to come back to that. But where did this all start for you? What what got you into communication in the the first place? Well, I kind of surprised myself about that when I went to Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas, and decided uh, because I had some interest in uh, political science and policy science that um, I would uh, major in that, but I also consider my good writer of paragraphs and sentence. Uh, so I also, uh, I doubled up with a major in journalism. Uh, it was at a really interesting time. It was in the, in the 60s. And uh, there was a lot of activity going on at that time, the political activity. And we had uh, Kansas State, uh, the Landon lectures. Alf Landon was a candidate many, many, many years ago. And so we would bring in people to come talk to the, to the students at Kansas. I had an opportunity because I was the uh, political writer also for the student newspaper. Uh, I had an opportunity at a very young age, freshman in college, to meet with and spend some time with Ronald Reagan, the former president, George Romney, who wanted to be president, uh, Nelson Rockefeller, General Westmoreland, and Robert Kennedy, um, the late Robert Kennedy. And so I had a chance to really spend some time with those people and interview them. In fact, when I was interviewing uh, Senator Kennedy, uh, at one point he stepped out of the receiving line and came over to me and shook my hand. And he said, I need an hour with you. And I said, well, Senator, I was, I needed an hour with you too. But he said, I, I've got some things. I want some opinions that you have at, at your age here in the middle of the state of Kansas. And I was very, very, uh, influenced by that and impressed by that, that he was he cared enough to ask uh, some students uh, what they thought about what he was doing in terms of running for president. So that that was my introduction to the political slash government world and, and the world of journalism. 
that that would have been an amazing thrill to be to rubbing shoulders with with uh, with with those names being so young. Um, and how did how did that you know lead on to then what you you started to do next? What are some of the the jobs that you've done, and and how did your career progress? Well, when I I, I was a, about a junior college, they asked me if I wanted to be the political editor of the student newspaper, which was the sixth largest daily in the state of Kansas. And I said, I don't know that I'm the right person. I didn't grow up in a political world, and uh, I don't really pay that much attention to it. Uh, So it's not something that I can come in and write a column that's very politically oriented, et cetera, et cetera, like a lot of other people could. And and my professor said, that's exactly why we want you to be that, play that role, is because you don't have that kind of those biases. And so... Uh, that then led to the fact that I endorsed uh, the governor of Kansas. Uh, as a result of that, he hired me uh, as his press secretary when I graduated from Kansas State. Uh, I was his press secretary and sort of assistant speechwriter. The current press secretary moved over to a more, a leader, more of a leadership role and, and took on the uh, speechwriter responsibilities. But I was his, his, his press secretary. I was there with the news media twice a day and traveled with the news media and traveled with the governor. So I learned an awful lot about the whole political issues there. I, uh, when the governor decided not to run full term, he was the first third and the first four-term governor in the history of the state, uh, he decided to retire. And I decided to go to Chicago, where there was a tremendous opportunity to be the speechwriter to the president of uh, the um, National Blue Shield, as in Blue Cross and Blue Shield organization. So I was able to assume that role in in Chicago. It was a lot of fun, and and, uh, pretty soon somebody came around and said, uh, we'd like you to come to the National Safety Council and head communications and and a safety training institute, which we had set up as a a product line. And um, so I did that. So I was a governor's press secretary. Then I worked as a speechwriter and uh, head of communications for the National Safety Council. It was at about that time that I started getting a little bit of a fear in my about my career that I really liked how it all launched with the governor and that sort of thing. But at that point now, I still have not had an opportunity to try to make money. And um, I was all I was doing was in, in not-for-profit organizations and not didn't have the kind of background for um, the kind of background to be able to run a, a bigger business. And so uh, I immediately said I better get out of this not-for-profit stuff uh, if I also want to be able to uh, assume a greater role in, in some profit-making organizations. And that's when I, when I went to Towers Perrin. Uh, I was in the Chicago office. I uh, was uh, number two to the head of communi- the communication practice there. Uh, and within about a year and a half, um, Tara's parent asked me if I would be willing to go to, uh, to uh, Washington, D.C. and communication uh, practice for uh, Tara's in Washington. And I did that, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I had a chance to do a lot more travel and to see uh, in different kinds of people and different. And that was, a, that was a, a lot of fun. So I was at, uh, leading the Center for Excellence in the area of change management. I started thinking that the communication thing was, was something that is at my core, but I really want, don't want to be the communication guy. I want to really help organizations better. And so that's where, um, that's where we really got into the um, uh, area of change. 
And was that a major turning point for you, Jim, when you go moving into that that change area? Is that what did that bring to your your roles moving forward? Well, it meant I needed to learn some more, and I, I've done the various inventories and and uh, that sort of thing. And, and one of the things that I score very high in, and that is learning, and and uh, what it means not not only do I like to learn, but I like to teach, and so. Uh, as the practice leader in Chicago and then moving to the, as the practice leader in, in uh, Washington, D.C., it gave me a chance to teach a lot of people, to learn a lot more. And I needed to start adding more to my communication quiver because if I was only going to be the communication guy, then that really restricted me. And so what I wanted to do instead is to make this organization, my client organization, uh, better than it is. And so I learned a lot about change management. I learned a lot about leadership. I did a lot of leadership development. I did a lot of work in the area of learning about metrics and measurements and mm-hmm. and strat- business strategies and, and uh, all of that stuff that really had been foreign to me up until that time. So I, I think one of the things that I have all along as I've constantly been trying to learn and try to figure out new ways to do uh, things better. So after after about 20 years with Tyrus Perrin, working in a number of different areas in, in the country, then left uh, the firm uh, after 20 years, I was able to uh, an early retirement. And uh, my book, my first book, The Leadership Solution, came out just about that. So I ended up forming my own organization called the Jim Schaefer Group. And our focus is on building strong organization performance through strong leaders and highly engaged people. So the, the focus now has, has shifted from a governor's press secretary to not-for-profit to profit-making to um, a broader view and consideration of communication. Just the newsletter, even though it is about the newsletter, it's not just the video, even though it is about the video. It's about all the different things that we communicate in our organizations. I'll pause at that that one. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, I, I, as you described that there was almost like taking all of those pieces and then suddenly you put them together. It's like that giant puzzle or all this learning experience. And then it all comes together to say, I'm offering this business back into the communication profession and to organizations to, to actually add value within the organizations. And, and I think this is probably the time I bring that, uh, I bring that quote back in that, uh, you know, has resonated so well with me is you're helping businesses make money or save money. And I'd love to explore that a little bit more because you know, you've got this, this, kit bag you've written uh, your first book how many books now sorry jim on a on a tangent well i've i've uh, i've only uh, published one i'm in, right in the middle or about two-thirds of the way through the second one so ah, it's, fantastic uh, that's of a lot of my leadership reports that i've done I, I'm really looking forward to, to that one, Jim, because that inspired so many people with the your your thoughts on how communication professionals make a difference within organizations. And I think this is goes back to that to the crux of that that quote. So tell me a little bit about that 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 you know that understanding of either we're there to to make money or save money in organizations. Yeah, that really that really uh, started to evolve as I started my career. And one of the one of the things that about when you're 
running elections as I was doing at that time, won two elections, third term and the fourth term. And what, what I started to learn for myself was this isn't about news releases. It's not about TV appearances. It's not about my meetings every day with the news, news media. This thing was elections. And so the governor was very, was very much um, sort of um, talked about it a lot. He said, you know, it's, it's the little things we do that on November 5 determines whether we win or the other person wins. <laughs> and so it was, it was that sort of thing that started to instill in me the importance of winning the election or selling more of a product or uh, improving productivity or whatever it was. And so communication changed for me that it wasn't the the process that was important. It was what we could do with it to cause good things to happen. And so um, when I was working with um, with um, the um, ConAgra Foods, uh, Teresa Paulson, who was the at that time the vice president of communication, was talking about needing a value proposition. And she said, you know, Jim, isn't it really down to just the fact that we either want to save money for our company or make money for our company. I said, I think you just created the value proposition why you were in this business in this organization. And I said, what the beauty of it is, is, is winning elections is sort of like either saving or making money. And I said, it's not, it's not about all the little things we do. It's not the fact that we got the news, news release out, or it's not the fact that we did this little process thing. In the end, it's about, did you make money for the organization or did you save money? And so a lot of the conversations that I have with, with uh, other communication practitioners is that they're focused on the profit, uh, on, the, on, on the process all too much. Many times it's it's about activity. It's about did you get the newsletter out or did you get something done? And oftentimes what I have to ask is, yes, but did it have did it make a, a difference? Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing about uh, some people might be familiar with um, with um, the Clydesdales and the Budweiser beer. And uh, one of the things that they always seem to win meter, which says uh, whether people liked uh, those commercials and they're very sweet commercials of little colts that got lost and the mother coal came and found it and blah 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 and everybody cries or everybody <laughs> and and one of the things that I had a conversation with the person who headed up the Budweiser commercial operation when they were in St. Louis, they're now in Europe, um, he was telling me about those ads. He says those ads only show for one night. We don't we don't we, and what we want are to get the you know the, the nice feelings and the likes and get a lot of that. Um, but the next day, everything that you see is made to sell beer. And so one of the other things that I say to my clients is, I know you got that out. I know you got that done. But did you sell any beer? Knowing <laughs> 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 yes. Did you create an end that was better than before? And was the end that you created greater than the cost of creating that game? Mm. Many, many times our communication folks are more focused on spending money and the activity to get something done that may be a very good thing to get done, but did they sell any beer? Did they cause something to happen that generated return on investment? Oh, fantastic, Jim. The um, and 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 thinking thinking about that, I mean, you've had a you've had a long and very very successful career and you work with you know again with some of the 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 top organizations and make a true difference 
looking at some of those experiences, what what are the things you would suggest to communication professionals? What is it that they really should be focusing on in their career and in the organizations that they work? What what's some of the lessons you could share with them? Well, I think number one is is that communication is not about just about formal channels. Uh, communication is about a lot of things. It's all the things that we say, and it's what leaders say, what leaders do, how they act, who they, what questions they ask. It's about systems and processes, like reward systems, measurement systems, and all those that communicate very powerfully. And same with the formal channels. What we need to understand is that there's some disproportionate emphasis and impact that those three different core communication uh, activities have. Leaders account for about 60 to 65%. If you're going to change the way an organization is run, you're going to focus largely on the leadership and the leadership communication. The second piece is about 30 to 35 to 40%, depending on the organization and the, and the industry. And that's about systems and processes. You know, a, a reward system un, designed poorly can cause behavior that is way away from what the organization's trying to do. We were asked with one client to try to help them get about $220,000 of damage out of, out of their distribution center because it was one center of, of $2 million uh, in all of their centers. And so we went into the organization. We identified the people. Some people said, well, it's because we're recruiting the wrong first people. And it's because we, we hurry too fast and we, you know, the forklifts bump into the boxes and tear them up and have to repackage them and that sort of thing. But I, there was something kind of amiss here. And so I asked the woman who headed the distribution center, this is in Lebanon, um, Indiana, in the States. And, and I said, how do people get paid here? What are, what are the incentives at the top of the organization? And she went and got the, the mixture, that is the weightings, and she said it's 80% productivity, 10% safety, and 10% quality. And she looked at me and she said, I guess we're getting what we're paying for, aren't we? Meaning that we're pushing productivity, we're pushing people to load the, the trucks, do things quickly, and there was a lot of damage as a result of that. Mm. So things like a reward system, which many communication people not even, may not even think about, was causing behavior in that organization to be amiss, and it was causing huge, huge costs. So that 30, 35% is the, the, the processes and the systems. And then finally, it's the formal channels, about 5 to 7%. So it is, not, it is not the most potent. And so it's very important to understand that using managing the communication system includes something that's much greater than what we might have learned in high school or college. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And and Jim, when we think about you know we're we're I, I think as a, a profession again we're we're standing on on the edge of a cliff again, looking out onto the the horizon and going we're about to hit change again within our in our profession we're going to see changes come in and uh, as you know we've been working on some some work with uh, AI and doing some research in 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 that area. If we looked forward, where do you think certainly the communication profession is going, particularly when it comes to leadership comms or internal comms? What are some of the things we really need to be focusing on in the in the future to stay relevant? I think that we're going to need to focus on future to stay to stay relevant, but it's not going to be in many respects a significant difference from what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I think that I think the thing. 
to a lot of uh, young communication people is that this is not about activity. It's about the results you create. And it's about value. Value being that they do um, cost less than the gain that you are able to create. So I think that that is an important thing. I think the other piece of it is, is that we need to start understanding a little bit better that communication breakdowns are what cause a whole lot of problems in most many, many organizations. And when I say communication breakdown, there are things like mixed messages, like we said one thing, but we did slow-moving information. I can't get information about um, pricing strategies uh, from headquarters because they're not available to me. Yeah. Uh, inaccurate or non-existent communication. These things are, are causing huge, huge problems in organizations. I think an awful lot of people are still back with their you know, news releases and their their videos and stuff like that, that, that don't really even be the uh, target. So if I were a communication person, one of the other things that I would, a young person, I would say, one of the things we need to do is start with the result in mind. This isn't about how we're going to start getting stuff out. It's about what result do we want to create. Um, this means we need where the best opportunities are to improve performance the root cause of those problems and then identify what the cost of it is and identify then from there what kind of a return on investment you're going to make and get. So communication needs to be much more um, aggressive and it must be much more future focused and results focused. And so what I've talked to an awful lot of um, particularly younger communication people and my whole point is shift from an activity focus to one that is focused on results and value. Value meaning the gain you created is greater than the cost to create that gain. Brilliant, Jim. And I, uh, this is why you and I think the same. That just uh, you know resonates so well. And I hope that that everybody today has picked up some uh, some great tips from Jim. You're always a great storyteller as well, Jim. And I really thank you for joining us today and taking the time out because we'll we'll leave it there. We like to try and keep the the podcast fairly fairly short, but uh, some great takeaways in that one, Jim. And thank you for joining us. I'm honored, Adrian. Thank you very much. And so uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, If you want any uh, further tips, uh, please check out the website. But look forward to our next episode uh, coming up real soon. Thank you, everyone.